Welcome to the first ever episode of the We Can See You Sneaking Out podcast. I'm really excited to get going with this podcast and start sharing the best away day stories out there. The guest for our first week is Craig, a Mansfield fan. Craig is part of Mansfield Matters, who run a regular podcast and blog for all things Mansfield. I've put their Twitter in the episode description if you want to give them a follow. Craig speaks openly about his mental health and how football has saved him. He also tells us about how he was randomly plucked from the crowd to commentate at an away game, which has gone on to shape his career and also given him some really interesting stories. This is part one of a two-part episode with Craig, with part two coming next Friday. If you do enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a follow or a subscribe. We've got loads more interesting guests lined up. And of course, we really want to hear your stories and feature them on the podcast as well. So if you do have any stories you want to share, then please either email them in to we can see you sneaking out at gmail.com or send us a Twitter DM. Our Twitter handle is at we can see you pod. And we're planning on an episode featuring the best listener stories later on in the series. So the more you send in, the better the episode will be. To celebrate the podcast launch, we are running a giveaway, um, so keep an eye out on our Twitter account for that. It won't cost you anything to enter, and we'll give you the chance to win a £50 voucher, so well worth doing. Um, Our contact details and socials are in the description below, and apart from that, take care, enjoy the episode, and I'll speak to you all next week. Welcome to another episode of the We Can See You Sneaking Out podcast. Uh, this week I've got Craig with me from Mansfield Matters. Craig is, um, he hosts a podcast, he writes a blog. I believe he's also been involved with commentating on some Mansfield games. Craig, welcome. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? <laughs> Not really. I think you've you've nailed it pretty much. Um, yeah, thanks very much for having me. Looking forward to sort of seeing this. You always see, don't you, you know, clubs do podcasts about their, their own team, but there's not too many that sort of talks about the away day experience and things like that, which is, of course, that you know one of the bedrocks of why we go to football matches. So I'm quite interested to see you know, what you guys do with this. I know it's quite new as well, so uh, I'll be it certainly is. an avid listener. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very new, but as you quite rightly said, you know, away days are a massive part of our lives when you're a football fan, and I think there's, there's something really special about traveling to an away game and, and and picking up the three points and taking them home as well so that's what we want to try and capture and i'm i'm sure with your experiences you've got some some interesting stories to tell but i guess as i do with with every guest that i have on the first thing i'd like to know is really a little bit about the history of how you you came about supporting mansfield town how did that how did that happen well it was 2001 2002 so it was when we last got promoted from winning the football league but it's not a bandwagon jumping story i can assure you <laughs> Um, I was, I, I, obviously we're on camera at the minute, so you can see I've got wild ginger hair. It used to be a lot wilder than this. Mm-hmm. I used to have, if you imagine the Deirdre Barlow style glasses, I used to have them was when I was at school. So it was a recipe for the bullies, really. And I was never really into football, to be honest. Um, I didn't really okay. get into it. And I needed something to just sort of maybe make new friends and sort of experience new things because me and school weren't, weren't getting on. Um, I was taken to, to watch Mansfield Town play. And uh, I don't know, I just sort of found an area of interest. I found other people that I could chat to and, and just really enjoyed the experiences. I went to a handful of games in that 0102 season where we ended up uh, getting promoted. Went to a, a few more the, the year after when we got we came tumbling straight back down from what is now League 1 to League 2 and 
<laughs> the year after, um, we ended up getting to Cardiff in the playoff final, 0-3-0-4, and I went to pretty much every game, including some away games on a Tuesday night, which um, left me getting chased out of school by the deputy head teacher. I'm sure I'll tell that story uh, later on. And as the years have gone on, it's just been a constant, really. Um, Mansfield's been a big bedrock part of everything I do and if it wasn't for going to watch Mansfield on a cold Tuesday night up in Barrow back in 2009 I wouldn't be sat here now I wouldn't have had the career that I've had and um, the experience of that I had really so I, I really do owe everything to to Mansfield town which is why Mansfield always matters yeah that's amazing Th- thank you so much and yeah we'll, we'll maybe get into some of those stories in more detail in a little bit but I'm wondering then um, because, you know, someone who had no interest in football initially mm. and then started going to occasionally games and then changed, you know, you were sort of, it sounds like you were drawn in and then to start attending every game. What was it about Mansfield or about the experience that really drew you in? I think it was the people. Uh, it's the experience. And I, I definitely think, and I'm not just saying this because we're, we're talking about away days, it was those early away days, I think, when I first started going. You know, when you go to a home game, Yes, you, you do sort of see people when you sit in the same seats and you get to know the people around you, but it's really and truly on those away games when you do get to know each other. I'm thinking back to, to the Saturday just gone. We had AFC Wimbledon away. We left at 9am. You yeah. know, we spend all day on a coach together. We sit together at the game. We we spend the journey back. It's a big part of your week. And I think it was just that really. I got to, you know, speak to, to, to other people and got to make friends that way. We had that common connection I think you know I, I didn't know really what was happening or going off on the pitch some would probably argue that I still don't and to be fair they'd probably be right um, but I think it's just that experience factor isn't it you know we, I had for me at that point in my life you know I was getting bullied when I was at school I didn't really get got on with school I had some stuff happening at home which wasn't really great either so football gave me a focus and especially those away games I lived for them they were my target to get to the end of the week and I think yeah. that's what's kept drawing me in you know as I, I've gone on year after year I've had battles with mental health and and that's always been the one constant that's been there that ability to go and lose yourself for a day at, at football and 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 that's why it's such a beautiful thing it's a game which combines everyone yeah and I think that's just really shows how powerful football can be mm. as you said it's not just is it the the ninety minutes of the football that you're watching? It's the 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 week leading up. It's the you know grinding, getting through work because you know you've got a weekend of football coming up. It's the meeting people before and after. It's the conversations. It's it's all of those experiences which, which make it you know such an amazing sport. And um, it sounds like it's had a really positive impact on your life again, which just shows how powerful it can be. So, can you remember your first away day? Oh, my first away day. The first one that springs to mind, I know this wasn't my first away day, but the the first one which I can properly remember is probably Huddersfield Town, uh, 03, okay. 04 season, when we got to the uh, the playoff final. I remember it. It wouldn't the, That wouldn't have been my first away day. I would have gone to, to a couple before that in that season. But mm. I remember it vividly because it was at that point where that merge between going and having that away game with friends and and what have you merged with the the drama of football us and Huddersfield at the time were both vying for the playoffs um we needed to win that game to to get into the playoffs it was the penultimate game of the season if we'd have lost 
and Huddersfield have won. They'd have got in and they'd have knocked us out on points-wise. We needed, I think, to get in there, to beat them, to draw level on points to get into the playoffs um, in, and to secure our place in the playoffs uh, at the end of the campaign. And I remember it was racked with drama from start to finish. Um, we scored a, a very good goal. The atmosphere was electric. Um, singing non 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 you know from first minute to the very last getting back on the yeah. bus as we're driving out of Huddersfield seeing all the Huddersfield fans walking out the, <laughs> the ground upset annoyed because you know they've fallen out of the playoffs and they needed to go into the last game of the season giving them all the lip and all the, the songs on the bus banging on the bus window and waving <laughs> the scarves around and all of that I think that's you know that was a, a real big atmospheric day which uh, springs well in, in my memory but uh, I, I think Probably my first away game would have been t more towards the start of that, that season. But who it was against, I don't know. But the Huddersfield one sort of sits in my, my head and my heart a little bit more, mainly because of th that was what swept me up into the drama. I think I got home and thought, wow, so this is this is what it's about, is it? I want yeah. more of that. I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. And, and we've mentioned a couple of things there in terms of, you know, uh, the banter, if you like, the crack between rival fans, the journey. So is there one particular thing that, you know, you really love about away days? Yeah, I think it's getting, other than obviously getting to see other people, I think it's that hope. I remember there's a, an excellent episode and an excellent quote from Ted Lasso, which of course everyone's been watching and looking forward to, to coming back which says it's the hope that kills you. Well, it's also yeah. the hope that ties you together, I think. Um, and I think it, it's that thing. There's a beautiful moment. The best moment of the, the, the footballing calendar in the season is at around 2.59 and 59 seconds on the opening day of the season when absolutely every team up and down the country is on the same amount of points, same amount of games played, and every yeah. single fan is hopeful about what, what the season will bring in. As soon as that referee's whistle is blown, that's when it all all starts. And it's looking around and speaking to people, thinking, you know, everyone's got opinions. Now, for example, Mansfield, we're at this point where we're talking, uh, eighth in the table. We're outside the, the playoffs on, on goal difference. We had a good win against AFC Wimbledon on, on Saturday. But the week before, we got trounced against Salford. And personally, I don't think that we're on the same level as where we were last season, but everyone else or the majority of my disagree. And I love yeah. having those conversations, not the ones, because you do get the odd moron who, you know, is <laughs> so adamant in you're wrong. And it's not a conversation. It's not a healthy debate. It's you're wrong. My opinion's better than yours and all of that. And that's what ruins it. It's those who you can have genuine conversations with. Those people who, for example, will maybe know your name or know your face and they'll say hello to you. But if you bumped into them, 24 hours later in Asda or Tesco, they wouldn't speak to you. And it's that which is the best part of it. You'll see people you've not seen for a few weeks or yeah. whatever. It's just that that moment that you're all there together in this away end, whether it's small or big or whatever, all hoping for, for the same thing. It, it's the hope. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. Um, again, you've mentioned already sort of getting on the bus. Um, do you have a particular routine of when you're traveling to away games i know there's lots of superstition tied in with football do you have any superstitions in terms of when you're traveling um do you know what i, I used i used to um but as i've got older and wiser i've realized that that's just stupid but it's you know <laughs> sometimes it's nice to, to keep those things going i guess in a way i do um i think 
I'm quite different to the majority of away fans because I don't drink alcohol. Um, I haven't done since I was around 18, 19. So I don't go to pubs before games. In fact, I actively avoid pubs. And the bigger games where there's more fans and there's the, the majority who are going just with the footballers aside and they're just going to drink, I don't enjoy yeah. those games as much. I'm not saying that's the, 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 the wrong thing to do. Everyone's got their own preference of what makes an away game good for them and that's great but for me i don't particularly enjoy that um mm. and when i travel on 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 the coach we travel on a with the the family friendly stag supporters association so um you know we we do different bits and bobs uh, my routine at the minute as daft as it sounds is making a quiz the day before our bus has become notorious for being the quiz bus and passing the okay. time in the, the traffic so uh, a friend of mine does hands up hands down bingo which is hilarious uh, <laughs> we have a multiple choice quiz on the bus for, for prizes we've been trying to get rid of, rid of our Mansfield Matters mugs for god knows how how long and we give those away as prizes and, and what have you so my routine starts you know a couple of days before which is writing a quiz making sure i printed the quiz sheets out and uh always you know making sure i've got some sandwiches and uh, a drink and uh various bits of snap and i think i always like to always try and get the window seat and i always try and get one seat from the front as well that's probably my uh my only little bus superstition uh, at the minute okay is it a mansfield base quiz no, no, I mix it. I mix it up a little bit. There's only so many questions that you can answer about Mansfield before it gets boring. So some <laughs> some days we'll do family fortunes, uh, you know, your top five answers, that sort of stuff. Might All be right. a sports based quiz or multiple choice general knowledge, whatever. Depends what what I, I can think of on on the night before, really. Yeah, and Mansfield is fairly centrally located in the country, I would say. Is it so? Yeah. I guess you have. That's maybe quite well suited in terms of not loads of really long journeys, but I guess you do having those things to to pass the time on those awfully long journeys is is a really good thing to do. Yeah, it's great. I think you know journeys on the coach can often be tedious, and uh, you know you do spend a lot of time cramped upon a coach, and you do have to be able to pass the time and laugh. I remember you know years and years ago, we used to we used to I used to sit at the back of the bus with a group of friends and. We used to have a sort of a, a boom box and we used to then get the, the driver to play some music. We used to have sing-alongs and, uh, and, and, and stuff like that. And there's always bits, various bits and bobs and various travel games that you'll, that you'll play. And anything really that, uh, that, that kills the time is, is good fun and good banter. Yeah. And can you tell me the difference then? What's the bus like after a defeat and how does it compare to if you've just picked up three away points? Do you know what? I actually find it's louder if we've lost because everyone's <laughs> moaning. Um, everyone's everyone's sort of chucking the, the, the dummies out of the pram and uh, having a little moan and gripe. I think it's, it tends to, to follow the same thing. I think there's always an adrenaline after football, whether you've won, lost or drawn. There's always that sort of post-game adrenaline rush, which is why actually yeah. I always struggle to sleep on a Tuesday night after 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 a game. Because you get home and you might have had a little nod on the bus on the way back and put your music in or whatever. But when you get home, you're wide awake because you've had such a, a, a nice day with friends. You genuinely just end up talking about the game. Um, you wait for the interview to, to come on to iFollow and all sit watching that. It's like a bloody echo going up and down the bus when people realise that the video's <laughs> available, sat there on the phones playing it. It's, it's quite funny at times then obviously yeah. that the conversation rolls into well the manager's talking rubbish i'd have done this i'd have done that and you get the same four or five conversations just going up and down the bus backwards and forwards it's like chinese whispers it's quite funny at, at times yeah. i 
Excellent, lovely, thank you. Um, so thinking then about all the different grounds that you have travelled to um, throughout the time you've been following Mansfield, do you have a, a particular favourite, whether that be the stadium or the atmosphere? Yeah, it, it's difficult. I think... For me, as somebody that doesn't drink, I look at stadiums and, and the away day experience in, in a different way. It's yeah. is there something to do around the ground which doesn't involve going to the pub? Um, and you know, sometimes there's not. <laughs> and so, I'd definitely say the worst for that is Forest Green Rovers, without a shadow of a doubt. You're very fortunate that you've probably not had to play them too often. Forest Green, with a shadow of a doubt, is the worst place to go. For visiting supporters and for probably for press as well. Um, last season, for example, it was my 31st birthday uh, when we played them on January the 18th. Okay. And uh, we got down there. Uh, it was freezing cold and it was abandoned after four minutes due to heavy fog, which came out of nowhere. Uh, so we had to go back again uh, a few months later, which was uh, horrendous. A few years before that, we went down uh, and I went as a fan and the game was abandoned at half time due to a waterlogged pitch where it should never have started. And we were all drenched and soaked because the away terrace is open air. Um, they used to have a nice little sort of supporters bar and cafe there, which visiting fans were welcoming when you were in the conference. But since they've gone into the Football League, the Jolly Green Giant or the Green Man or whatever it's called at uh, whatever the stadium is ne- is called nowadays in the new lawn um, is not accessible for away fans. So away supporters are shoved in this marquee behind the, the away end on some waste ground with no <laughs> heaters and uh, a canteen slash bar facility, which is run by a very known couple called Sam and Ella. Um, I'm sure people will know those uh, many a time. So I wouldn't eat anything from there. I wouldn't drink anything from there. <laughs> and you just sat there for two hours or whatever before a game, shivering your, your, your what's-its off because there's nowhere to go. Because, of course, Forest Green, famously on the top of a hill and nobody fancies walking uh, back up there. It's just a horrendous ground to get to. It's a horrible <laughs> ground to go and watch football at. And I actively, actively hate uh, going there. Um, there are a few others that I can probably throw in there, certainly from uh, uh, from the conference days. Um, but I'd definitely say that Forest Green is is one which I'm glad we've not had to uh, had to visit this season. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to mention any of this from those conference days? Do any come to mind? Oh God, just take your pick. I rem- I seem to remember uh, Hayes and Yedin a few years ago. They played at about 7,000 different grounds. They moved every season. I don't think they actually right. had a permanent home. And one of the grounds we went to, they were building a housing estate um, on the basically on the pitch. And it had yeah. got to such a point, it was their last season on this particular place, where the houses, this is not a great description for if, you, if you're listening to this, the houses ended there and the pitch is literally touching like the back of the houses. They were bulldozers right. were sat on site waiting to demolish the stands it was just wasteland there was nothing to do um i also remember as well um when mansfield got relegated uh into the conference 2007 2008 we had no idea what the conference would uh, hold for us you know we've been used to going to, to league two stadiums some are great some aren't aren't so great but we weren't prepared for how absolutely sh1t the conference stadiums are um, first game of the season, we played Ebbsfleet United um, away. 
so we pulled up at Ebb's Fleet and it said there were the big big sign outside the, the stadium off this main road in, in Ebb's Fleet next to the, the Euro store or whatever it is. And it said, welcome to the conference. And some of the letters were missing and all of that and really rusty signs. And we're thinking, this looks like something out of a horror movie. And you know what? It, it got even worse. Now, these are the days where I used to go into the, the pubs before a game because my dad used to go, he used to like a drink before the game and things like that. So we just used to migrate w with, with the crowd. The not drinking and not going in pubs has, has come probably over the last six or seven years. But certainly in the conference days, I'd go in just to be, be social. Yeah. Um, and we walked into this tiny pub. You've got to picture the, this ti the tiniest village pub imaginable. Um like basically somebody's front room and three, four coaches. Because, of course, it's our first game in the conference. So there was a, a big following of fans. We'd just been taken over as a club. So new owners, new manager, a lot of expectation. Yeah. We, we'd piled into this pub and this this barman just turned around and went, what? Can, we, can I swear? Mm -hmm. Just turn around, go ahead. Turn around. What the fuck am I going to do here? <laughs> he looked around open mad and he went... I ain't going to be able to, to serve all these people. We, we're talking probably two, three hundred piling in, into this tiny pub, all queuing for the bar. And Mansfield fans, about six or seven of them, jumped behind the bar, helped this geezer out. Um, obviously, you know, paid for the drinks and everything and, and put it behind. He must have made his, probably nearly his annual income in that afternoon with all these Stags fans behind <laughs> the bar, charging them God knows what. It was, it was hilarious to see. We pile out of the pub at probably maybe two o'clock half past two and go in through the, the turnstiles wooden turnstiles um you really had to push him to click tightest i mean if you're a larger gentleman or, or or lady you're struggling to get through them and trust me there are a few mansfield fans that are like that um you squeeze through and you walk out onto this terrace and in, when you think terrace you imagine a, a very neat step-by-step -step layered well done terrace Ebbsfleet, we're talking rocky sort of terracing, up and down broken slabs, weeds growing through. I swear down the back was like a bush towards the end. And we're stood there, nettles growing around the feet and everything. And we're thinking, what on earth have we let ourselves in, in for here? This is an absolute shithole. And it was. And gee, what was brilliant about that game was we were 2-0 down by halftime. And we were like, oh, what? God. So it got worse. And we ended up drawing 2-2 in the, in the 90th minute. I think... Uh, might have been Jason Lee that uh, scored the the goal right in front of the Stags fans. It's a moment I'll I'll never forget. I went back there a few years later um, doing commentary when because uh, Fleet used to dip between the Conference Prem and, and the Conference South, and I was doing commentary a few years later and, and went back. And the stands even worse when you the away stands even worse when you sat in a different stand looking at it. <laughs> it's an eyesore. There's like a junkyard next to the ground. It, that was. A horrendous, horrendous ground, and uh, yeah, that was a horrible one. And then, of course, it'd be uh, you know they've moved now. Another one I can throw in there is York City, um, yeah, their I've old ground, Booth, um, Booth and Crescent. Obviously, a ground steeped in history, but you, anyone that's been to the old York ground will will know that the toilets are not not closed at the top, and they're down a little banking. So you know you can peer over and and have a look at what's happening in those toilets, which was great. And obviously the the stench of piss was, was, was not nice. <laughs> if I sniff up sometimes when I'm driving through York, I can still smell it. Not <laughs> nice at all. Um, and then, of course, you know, 
uh, horrible. Ooh, I get. Sh- I feel bad saying it. Chesterfield, <laughs> Chesterfield's ground, old ground, Saltergate. That was that's just a shithole. Um, as is the new ground because it's Chesterfield. Um, any ground like that, really, you know, old sort of style terracing. Um, that that just needs a makeover. Conferences where you'll you'll find the most of them, and then you get the quaint grounds uh, as well. But yeah, there's probably certainly in my. Uh, top four or five of uh, terrible away grounds but uh, number one forest green don't visit and it's right forest green's a vegan club isn't it is well documented so yes that's that's something i should probably add, add in there as well so um of course forest green they they don't have all those products so vegan sausage rolls vegan pies and they don't even have proper milk it's almond milk that's great right. if you've it's great if you've got allergies isn't it yeah yeah so yeah that was fun I can imagine that's a that's quite a hard sell for for the people in the ground if they're not able to offer you a, a proper steak pie, for example. Yeah, I remember once actually you that you know you saying about the the veganism and, and and that there was a particular season I think in the conference or it might have been when we they first got into the football league where they had this big thing of of banning meat products and somebody had been to Greg's and brought like six four packs of sausage rolls and stuffed them in the coat tried to <laughs> smuggle them in and you know when stewards pat you down at the the, the turnstile this is no yeah. word of a lie right this guy's been patted down all over the place outside and the steward's gone what's that in your pocket and he's got these packs of sausage rolls out and he's he's made them this steward no word of a lie has made them throw them in the bin we're talking no about 15 quid's worth of sausage rolls from greg's he'd obviously try... not for a joke yeah he's did bin them you'd at least try and scoff a few quickly before you went in wouldn't you you would <laughs> that's amazing and then how does it how did you find did your attitude change towards these grounds as you spent more time in the conference were you did you sort of get used to it was it always sort of a dread thinking oh shit we're going to fleetwood again this weekend you, you never you never really accept it you never really get over it because as each season goes on there are some grounds of course which you, you get used to and some grounds in the conference are quite decent darlington for example um you know their old stadium i don't know whether they're back then or, or now you know the old bowl stadium which which yeah, they had a nice stadium i think they, they went ended up going back to feetums maybe i can't remember uh the old stadium which they had built the the twenty thousand seater one or whatever it was that was a nice ground to visit because it was it reminds you of uh, better times um <laughs> There were some others in there that were quite decent because they're ex-football league stadiums, but the ones that have risen through the ranks, your Wokins, your, your Hayes and Yedin, um, <laughs> your, your other ones, you know, they're, they're grounds you should be visiting in pre-season and pre-season only, let's face it. Um, and, and they give you, give you nightmares. But, uh, you know, it, you take the rough with this move. And to be honest, it was even more of a motivation to, uh, to, to get out um, of them. And of course some of them don't have great facilities either now i mentioned earlier that i've been a commentator a few times when mansfield were promoted 10 years ago um from the conference as champions braintree remember uh that caused me uh, a few nightmares as a broadcaster a, a few times and uh two stories i can tell you happened on two separate occasions the first time we ever played down there this is back in the, the day before there was a booking system. So now in the Football League, you have an online booking system for your press passes. It all gets sorted very, very quickly and very easily. Back in those days, you had to ring them up or you had to email the club secretary and you had to go around that. It was a lot of work just to get your press pass sorted. And 
Fortunately, I'd managed to do it quite early. Got an email back from the club secretary. Yeah, you're all sorted. Got there on the day, met this steward at the gate and said, yeah, Craig Priest from whatever radio station I was at at the time. Um, and I could see my name on his clipboard. I could, he was holding his clipboard. I could see it, it was about four names down. He's going up and down. He's going, you're not on my list, mate. I'm like, mate, I'm there. You're not on my list. And we're having this back and forth for a good 10 minutes. And I went, well, go and fetch your supervisor then because I can see my name there and I'm losing my rag at this point. I can see my name on that list. You're not letting me in. It's, maybe it's because I was younger and, and didn't look like a, a journalist at the time because I was, you know, 10, year, 10 years ago and you know, sort of been, what, 22 at the time? So, you know, it's probably not what they expected or whatever. Maybe thought I was trying to blag it. But I had all the radio gear and everything in, in bags. You could see I had the equipment, so I don't know what yeah. his issue was. Anyway, he buggered off to try and get his supervisor. I just snuck in through a, through a gate, and that was it, and told him to cough on my way out. Um, <laughs> and then the year after, um, I got there, and there was a certain journalist. Um, he knows who he is, um, and I won't mention his name, um, but he certainly knows who he is, um, who worked for a, a rival radio station uh, at, at the time, who stole the last plug socket for his iphone charger so braintree <laughs> had two plug sockets right for the entire press okay so these... you're gonna say for in the in the ground well you weren't you're not far <laughs> wrong um so we had these extension cables plugged in two extension cables two four bank extension cables one was taken taken up by you know the their local guys so one was for them one was for us so four sockets and there was one left which i was going to plug another extension cable into to to plug my two plugs into i had a laptop and a little mixing desk that's all i needed um i needed one plug socket for for this little extension cable plugged his iphone charger in and was being an absolute see you next tuesday about it and i'm saying (laughs) literally you can plug into my extension cable you know you're not going to be losing out on a plug just let me plug it in there no 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 i'm not doing it my dad went, my dad took me at the time because I couldn't drive, so he used to drive me everywhere, and God bless him. I'll never forget this, and I've got photos somewhere of it, which I'll have to dig out and send you to, to prove it. <laughs> Said, right, screw you then, I'll go and find you some power. And we had this massive, long, blue extension cable, which I took everywhere, because in the conference you never knew, and trust me, you needed it more times than most in the conference. <laughs> he went and found the away end turnstile, which was probably a good... Well, maybe a good hundred yards from, maybe maybe less, maybe fifty yards from where the press box was situated. There was one plug socket in there, and he bartered and he managed to get us plugged into there. Looped these cables over the top of this brick sort of building turnstile over these portaloos. It was pissing it down with rain, by the way, when <laughs> he's doing this over these portaloos which have got loads of water standing water on the top of them in these trees <laughs> up into the stand and down to, to my feet where we sat doing commentary i'll never forget it That's as amazing. long as i live it, it was absolutely phenomenal i know that there are still some grounds who are still very similar um to that um pre-season friendly now actually a cup game um at uh at chasetown fc uh when in the fa trophy um a couple of seasons before that when we ended up getting to wembley um they had no power whatsoever so we had extension cables coming from the opposite side of the ground from the clubhouse and everything it was <laughs> phenomenal that's amazing so this this guy who wouldn't give you the last socket I yeah. mean, he sounds like a bit of a bell end first of all doesn't he Oh, he was, yeah. He and he knew it. He he knew it, and everyone knew it. Everyone hated him, and I still hate him to this day. I was just going to say, is so? Is he still involved? Do you still see him? 
No, no, no. He's he's moved on to bigger and better things now. He was he always he's that type of person who was he was never this is why fans didn't like him because he was never a Mansfield person. He 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 actively disliked the club. He always tried to, you know, ask questions to try and cause trouble and, and cause a a debate and a fight and try and what you'd call nowadays as as someone who tried to tried to trend, someone who tried to um to get the headlines or, or whatever um, and get that sort of five minutes of fame. And yeah, he was very up himself and he still is now by all accounts. I know a few people that still know him and still work with him and they say, yeah, he's a prick. <laughs> okay. So you've mentioned obviously a bit there about your experiences commentating. Is now a good time to talk about sort of how that began? Because I, I believe it's quite an interesting story. Sure. So it all comes through the the away games and like I mentioned earlier I had a lot of problems or a lot of um, battles with mental health when I was younger and and as the years have, have gone on so back in 2009 um, I just moved house Um something had happened in my personal life where one of my parents had, had basically walked out and, and left me Um I'm quite open about that so I don't mind talking about that um and uh that had left me in a little bit of a, a state i had no qualifications i'd not done well at school i hadn't got a job i was signing on which really made me feel lowest of the low and football was the only thing that, that i had and this tuesday night against barrow i woke up on the tuesday morning and thought i, I don't want to do this anymore i don't want to go to the to the game I'm, I'm a bit fed up of of doing it i just want to be on my on my own and the darkness starts starts to sort of take over you a little bit, and mm. there was something in me which, at some point in the day, just clicked and went, "No, you've got to go." Um, and I dragged myself to the to the game, got on the coach, put my headphones in, and was probably a miserable sod on the on the journey. Um, as a little caveat, a few months before, um, I'd started writing an online blog for the local newspaper, so I'd got to know the club's media officer a little bit, and. Uh, uh, and things like that, and people were starting to know who I, who I was. So I felt, I think that inner thing within me sort of felt that I had to go. And mm. so I had some. I always say you've got to be really in what you do. I don't think anybody that write writes a column about something, yes, they'll have an opinion on it, but I don't think it's massively as true unless you've been there and experienced it. Um, I think that sometimes can be false writing and just sort of writing for headlines and yeah. not writing truth. So I sort of pushed myself to go and we got to the service station and there was a guy from the local radio station called Tony Delahunty who is now my mentor and I will love forever. <laughs> um, and I mean that genuinely because he saved my life. Um, who was trying to grab fans for an interview. Now, Tony was, was and is quite a controversial character, especially a few years previous when the old owner um, w was in charge. He was notorious for maybe caught stirring things up and trying to not necessarily create bad publicity, but try and ask testing questions, which, which some fans didn't take kindly to. So a lot of fans ignored him. And I was the last person to get back on the coach and as I was stepping onto the bus, I felt this hand on my shoulder. He pulled me back down and shoved this microphone in my face and did a two-minute interview with me about going to the game. Thought nothing of it. Got a load of stick on the bus from the people. Around. Oh, you're Della Hunty's pet and all of that stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just laughed it off and whatever. Roll forward to seven o'clock. Um, it's absolutely howling it down in Barrow. And when they were in the conference, they were another ground where you didn't want to go to because three away end at the time. It hasn't changed much now, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it was an open terrace, which uh, had no roof or anything. There was no seats for away supporters. It was just this open terrace behind this goal. 
um, and it was freezing cold and absolutely hammering it down with rain. I walk in uh, at the, through through the terraces, and at the same time, he's walking down with the club's press officer. Um, he'd just been let down by one of the players who was going to do co-commentary with him because okay. someone else had got injured, so this person had got pulled into the squad. Um, and obviously, the player that had been pulled out couldn't do it because he had to have treatment, etc., etc., etc. Um, gets chatting to him. Um, he obviously recognises me from the services and says, how oh, do you fancy doing uh, like fan in the stand and co-commentary with me um, tonight? And I went, where? And he pointed over to the other side and I went, what, in that nice warm box over there? And I went, yes, please. <laughs> Did that, went across. And do you know what? For the first time in my life, genuinely loved it. It was, it was the first time where I've been doing something. I thought, I want more of this. The adrenaline kicked in. I want yeah. this. I want to pursue something in this. Loved the night. I was absolutely buzzing. I was wired awake all, all the trip home and thought nothing of it. A um, couple of days later, we're at home and, and he drives into the car park. Now, to get into the home games, because I had no money, I used to work on the club car parks if we used to get in for free. Tony <laughs> drives in his BMW and winded and he goes, ah, don't you answer your fucking emails? And I'm like, what are you, what are you on about? That's how he talks, by the way. His <laughs> mum was goes, ah. <laughs> He's brilliant. Um, I went, what are you on about? Because I, I don't know, I already got my email address or whatever. And he goes, I want to see you in my office, 10, 10.30 Monday morning. Right, where's his fucking office for a start? I've got no idea where this building is. So I, re- I, I went, I researched it and went. And he basically sat me down on this Monday morning and went, look, I've worked with some really big commentators over the time, uh, over the years. Darren Fletcher from BBC Five Live, who you might recognise. Adam yeah. Summerton, who does, BBC, uh, who does uh, BT Sports and a few others. And lots of others that we what we know. And he's telling me about his career. He was uh, Tony's career he was sports broadcaster of the year two time two years. He commentated at Hillsborough, commentated at the Bradford City fire disaster as well. He's wow. been and done, been seen it and uh, and done it all. He's a fan, fascinating guy. And he said, "Look, I've seen something in you, and I want to mentor you. I want to give you some work experience here. I want you to come with me on away games to start off with, because I know you've got your little job at home games and." you know, re- really helped me out. And, and I did, and I loved it for a, a few away games I did and still went as a fan and worked on the car park at the home games until he came in one day at the home games and said, carry me kit upstairs. And I never, I'd never been in the upper tier at that point where the press box at Stags was. And I never went back downstairs. I've never been back downstairs since. And did that season with him, saw that season out, loved it, worked in the newsroom, got a bit of experience. I was a little bit, you know... A fish out of water, so there was a little bit of a, a falling out between me and another staff member there, which sort of cut that short a little bit. Um, Do you want to talk into, about that? Into, no, because <laughs> uh, to, to be fair to them, you know, we've, we've made up now and a lot of water's gone under the bridge. It'd be unfair to talk about that on a public forum. Um, talk about anything else, but, you know, that oh, yeah, that's, that's happened okay. and, and that's gone. Um, and yeah, I just absolutely loved it and, and just wanted to, to be that. And I was in awe of him. I was in, in awe of the way he did it in awe of the power of radio and and loved it and i was absolutely devastated when we had to part ways because of of what happened i genuinely um cried for a, a good two days and I, I was broken and again the fans picked me up i went back with the same group of people that we used to go on away games for and, th- and they picked me up and they knew as, as much as i did that um you know i wasn't really my heart wasn't really in it as much and then mm. i got an opportunity with a, a local 
um, community radio station because at the time in the conference you didn't have to, and you still don't you didn't have to pay broadcast fees um so this community station this tiny station could do it the station where i was at had dropped doing the commentary because um they'd lost the sponsorship or there wasn't enough demand for it they went in a different direction we started we picked it up and started doing it this commercial station and for the first time i was the lead commentator and that's where i learned i then went on to get an apprenticeship there and got some qualifications at uh, 1920 which i'll always be grateful for and then that journey came to an end after we got promoted um 10 years ago because then we had to pay the broadcast fee and again um through football i'd met uh, a girl who was became my first girlfriend we were together for, for four years we're still really good friends now we're not together anymore but we're really good friends um she used to come with me on away games and uh unfortunately we 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 broke up and i was a little bit down and uh, in the dumps again and i'm thinking oh it's back to square one phone goes it's tony i've not spoken to him for a good couple of years and he went look lad i want to i, I want to chat come round to my house spent three hours at his house numerous cups of teas um chatting putting the world to rights and i ended up doing work experience with him supposed to do one day a week um helping him out ended up staying for for three years as a freelancer producing shows and what have you got offered a, a job and move move a full-time job elsewhere after three years moved away and, and built my career away from radio a little bit more in marketing which is what i do now hmm. and then last season um on I was on a Tuesday, we were playing Sutton United away and my phone goes and it's Tony and uh, he doesn't say hello, he never says hello when he rings me, <laughs> never says hello, how are you, he just starts in the middle of his conversation, like he's already done the hello bit Yeah. and he goes, you're going, you're going tonight aren't you to, to Sutton, daft question but I know you're going tonight aren't you, I'm like yeah why, he goes, uh, our regular commentator has, uh, has woke up this morning uh, not very well, he can't see Um can you cover for us tonight and i'm like yeah no problem um i was supposed to do one game then i was supposed to do four and I ended up seeing out the entirety of last season finishing at wembley and i loved every single second of it and i was heartbroken this summer when uh we when we got gazumped on the on the commentary deal um which meant we, we couldn't do it this year um hopeful to do it again in the future but that's been a, a big part of my life and it, it's funny because I look back and it's an away game which start started it and we were talking about grounds which you hate and grounds which are horrible to visit. Barrow's one of them, but I'll go every single time because I will always yeah. look at that wall and think, if I'd have not gone on that Tuesday, where would my life be now? Yeah, and that is it's incredible that you know, that chance moment if you like has then sort of shaped so much of your life and you've dedicated so much of your life to something that maybe it sounds like you hadn't even thought of previously never never i'd never given it any thought i mean i was enjoying doing the writing part of it the, the blogs and enjoyed the creativity but that medium of radio was great you know i always thought about uh, as a fan when i couldn't get to those games in my early days what would i do i would you know listen to the radio and i'd listen to that radio station ironically with people that i've met and now worked with and yeah. and idolized and, and, and stuff and they brought the game to life and every single opportunity i had last season to, to do commentary on that station i wanted to do those people proud um one of them and if i get choked up at this bit i apologize because he was a big hero of mine he passed away a few um few months ago steve hartshorn his name was he always was listening and i thought he'd kill to be 
at the game and, and, and be able to do that commentary and stuff like that. So I always did it for him. And I always remember he used to say, always remember that the, audi- that the audience want to be sitting on your knee. He said it in a qu- more creepy and funny way than that because that was Steve <laughs> all ends up. But, um, and I always used to take that on board because I wanted the listener to feel like they were sat alongside me and, and watching it with me rather than listening at home because that's how I felt as a kid. Um, hopefully I did that and uh, it was great. But uh, that's, yeah, it was a, a, a real big, uh, real big part of my life doing that. And uh, yeah, it was, it's funny because... When you you know nowadays you've got iFollow and and things like that to to be able to watch the games via VPNs or whatever you can watch pretty much every every game going if you like but yeah nothing beats radio nothing beats the the glory of being sat next to your wireless and listening to the atmosphere come through anyone that says difference a liar <laughs> that's incredible thank you so much for for sharing all of that can I just ask then that that first night at Barrow when you were asked was there any sort of were you anxious? Was there any part of you that thought, actually, hang on, I'm not going to be able to do this? And what sort of things were you sort of asked to comment on? Um, in terms of the first part of that, the anxious bit, no, and that's really surprising because I'm a very anxious person. I suffered a lot, especially then with my anxiety and yeah. confidence especially, and still do now to, to this day, to be fair. Um, but, you know, as soon as I put those headphones on and as soon as I got that microphone in my hand, it was that that light bulb moment, that click, that thing, you know, where you suddenly wake up and you think, I belong here. This is yeah. what I want to do. So never felt any of that. And yeah, there may be a few nerves of what to say, you know, trying not to swear and things like that. But I always remember just before we, we went live, I'm quite weak. I'm quite thin. And I was a lot thinner back then. Tony punched me on the arm and it fucking hurt. It <laughs> properly hurt. I had bruises for days. And he went, good luck. Just like a friendly little pipe, but it, but it hurt. And it made me concentrate. And yeah. he, he, always, he said to me on the night, don't pander to me. Whatever you do, don't just be a yes man. Don't agree with me. If I say something and you think I'm talking out my ass, call me out on it. And we got a free kick. And... Uh, he, he he said one thing i said and i called him out and it said the other and at half time he, at, at, at half time he said to me brilliant do that again so i did in the second half yeah and after the game he went if you do this again never show me up like that again because you'll be better than me one day <laughs> i just loved it yeah that's and, amazing and in terms of like what to say and things like that you never know what to say it's radio you can't script radio you sent me a a, a thing of questions before we did this and i don't actually think we've we've spoken about any of them over the last 45 minutes or so because that's the beauty of conversation you can't prepare for radio you can't prepare for commentary you can't prepare for what to say you can have phrases keywords and things like mm. that but you just have to trust your instinct you have to trust you got you've got to be on your beliefs your beliefs if someone you know if there's a favorite player at home don't pander to the audience if you think he's having a shocker say he's having a shocker it's yeah. your opinions that that matter and it's it, it's your eyes and ears that are, are relaying it so um i don't know i just felt like as soon as i, I slotted into it it took time and you know that it will take time to come again if i ever touch wood fingers crossed lucky horseshoes and all that get the opportunity to do it again in the future yeah but until you're doing it you can't you can't practice it it just comes in the moment and it's yeah. beautiful that's amazing. So what do you think it was that Tony saw in you? Was it that you were challenging him? I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know. Um, 
Uh, and do you know what? I don't want to know. I'm just grateful that he did. Yeah. Um, because I look back over certain points in my life, you know, where it gave me opportunities when I perhaps didn't deserve them. There were other people he could have called that night, you know, this year, a year ago. They could have just done updates from the studio and just said, we've been unable to broadcast from there tonight or whatever. But he didn't. He yeah. gave me those opportunities. And uh, and and that's, that, that's brilliant. I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what it is. And yeah, if ever... I I think you'll know in life. I think you might come across a person that you think actually now I want to help this person. If if ever I do, I'm going to make sure I do the same thing that Tony did for me because honestly, it's it, it, it's a life changer. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'm I know we're starting to run out of time a little bit, but one thing I'm really interested in about you know doing the commentaries is I guess you have a bit of exposure to the players, the first team. Yeah, you do. And, yeah. And what I'd like to ask about that is when. You know, you are maybe saying, "Oh, he's having a shocker." Does that impact your relationship or the feedback that you, you know? Do you get any feedback from them? Well, the, the good thing about that is they can't listen because they're playing. Yeah. So, so that's <laughs> that. Um, obviously, they can listen to the highlights if they wanted to, but um, that's part and parcel of being a footballer. People are going to call you out. It's rife in social media. I think yeah. you have to do it in the right way. Um, I can talk on this subject for hours about mental health in football. Social media is a, a killer for it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's not a nice place to be sometimes. So I think you have to do it in, in the right way. But I do genuinely think they'll, they'll honour and respect your opinions. I've had managers who think they're the dog's bollocks and uh, who disagree with everything you say and try and put you in the place. But I've also had managers who can have open and honest conversations. And, and Nigel Clough, who I got to work closely with last season, yeah. he was always great in interview. He was always polite. He was all, always open and honest. And he always took the time afterwards to talk and ask about your family. And, you know, that that's great. It's just about the relationships uh, you build up. And, of course, you know, yeah, you do get access to to the players and things like that, and you can become a little bit attached to them. But you've you've got to remain impartial. But it also gives you great moments, and I'm more than happy to to come back and talk more about some of those away day stories, and do a part two to this, and maybe talk a little bit more about the away experience as a commentator. So I've certainly got some stories um, about that one particular at Tranmere last season. Um, so remember to ask me about that in the future. Um, uh, where we we equalised in the 94th minute. Um, okay. I was going mental. They then scored in the 96th and it all kicked <laughs> off. It was fun. Um, I've also had some runnings at Luton as well. And that's that's quite funny as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of the players, what it does, it gives you great moments. And I think it's different because my situation compared to others, others who go through university and, and go through doing degrees to try and become a, a broadcaster probably won't do it on their team they'll look they'll land a job somewhere maybe at the bbc or an independent station on a random team and they're just grateful to get in at that level um which which is fantastic but i got to do it on my team so i was able to let my passion out and and let that come across which i think is what i hope people enjoy enjoyed listening to last season it's certainly what i enjoyed listening to when i was a kid when when steve and a guy called nigel pinnock or shane um i can't remember what what name he used to go um he used to james bradley i think he used to call it. it was his two sons name he gave himself a pseudonym it was it was it was fun um but they always used to do exactly the same thing passion 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 um and that has its ups and its downs 
the ups are great in the moments where you're celebrating with the players and you know you're really enjoying them and you're having a laugh for example last season a friend of mine in the podcast group nathan um bet me that i couldn't i I wouldn't dare ask the the question of a player what's your favorite biscuit at the end of the interview i said well you i bet you 50 quid i will i did and it became a long-running joke and the play at one point it it got to the point before an interview of are you going to ask me the biscuit question and if your players that thought about it, it was it was hilarious great moments like that and then somber moments as well like for example um and i'll end on this one James Perch, um, well-travelled defender, obviously played Premier League um, with, with Newcastle and yeah. uh, various other clubs in his career as well, was Mansfield captain for a few games last season and led us out at Wembley in the, the playoff final. James had been had a, a turbulent season. He'd actually got uh, a, a really weird head injury innocuously in training, which nearly ended his career. He fractured his skull and he now plays with a, with a supportive headband. Unfortunately, he's able to play now and doesn't look like it's affected him at all, but certainly it did um, last season. And he went through a lot. You know, he, he, it could have been a, a lot, lot worse. Worse things than football could have happened. He could have not just lost his livelihood, but he could have. It could have been more serious. I think we all know yeah. what I'm intimating at, at here. You know, he's got a, a big family. He's got a young family as well, and he's a Mansfield lad, born and bred. And he led Mansfield out at Wembley. And then we put in the shittiest performance I've ever seen us put in um, <laughs> last season. And we lost and, and didn't get promoted. And I had to interview, interview Perchie in, in the tunnel at Wembley after the game. Neither of us wanted to be doing it, but we had to, to do it. And we could hear Port Vale in their changing room um, behind us celebrating, music on. Oof. You could hear the, the champagne flowing uh, and, and things like that. And there's me, broken, heart, you know, emotion emotional literally lacking on energy and just wanting to be anywhere but here but knowing i've got to ask these questions for the fans back at home yeah and there was a moment before the interview started where i looked at him and he looked at me and we sort of said we're going to share this between us now we're both two lads from mansfield at similar ages he's a couple of years older than me who love this club to bits and we're both devastated so we shared a moment there and uh it, wow. it was it, it it was fantastic, and that's the last thing I did as a football commentator. And if it, that's the last thing I do, then do you know what? So be it. Because yeah. it would have been nicer to end on a promotion, but to share that emotion and to share that moment is something which I don't think any football fan can ever buy and ever come close to. That's as close as I'll ever come. I think to putting on a shirt and putting the boots on and going out on the pitch and playing that's yeah. my that's my equivalent and uh yeah absolutely uh absolutely phenomenal experience doing it and uh yeah loved every single second i'm really sorry that we've not managed to get into some of the uh some of the away stuff so if you are having me i'm more than happy to come back and you know talk about the differences between being a fan at away stadiums and, and being a commentator and all of those bits and bobs as well and, and tell some of those, those stories over the years as well. Yeah, I'd absolutely love you to come back for a part two if, if that's if that's possible. It's It's been amazing so far and I'm really grateful for, for everything that you've shared. I'm more than happy to. I hope uh, hope the listeners enjoyed and didn't enjoy me uh, waffling on uh, waffling on too much. No, I, I'm sure they've enjoyed it. You, you know, your passion and enthusiasm for the club um, really comes across and like i said already that's something that you know i think all fans can relate to so so thanks again craig once again and we'll look forward to speaking to you and another time in the future
absolute pleasure.